0: Hey guys, welcome back to another Weird Wednesday. I'm Ashers, and this is
1: Octavia Graves. How you doing?
0: Oh my gosh, it's not Pado this week, you guys. I know you're devastated, um, but uh, we do have a guest, so that's wonderful. Um, Octavian, how are you? How are you doing? I'm doing really well, Ashley. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's it's super exciting to have you here. Um, you know, I, I've been on your show, and you know, we're kind of going to get into who you are and and what you do and all that fun stuff um but uh first why don't we go ahead and talk about uh you know what's happening in the world of, of the weird strange and unusual
1: okay um, good.
0: i didn't really have any 40 in news this week but i did have something that i wanted to bring up because it is very near and dear to my heart <laughs> um there okay so back in march of 2019 um i started following this missing person's case all right and this missing person was an eight month old baby all right okay and so as the story goes with the eight month old baby um the mother um had her boyfriend drop the baby off to the babysitter and the baby was never seen or heard from ever again she reported the baby missing it took her a week to report the baby missing and it's just the whole shit show right eight month old babies they, they can't do anything hardly so it's it's pretty unlikely that the baby ran away yeah um, <laughs> you know so it's been uh crazy and then like within like two months of the baby missing like the mom is like pregnant again and you know still nobody knows where the baby is so um yeah this happened back in 2019 the baby's name is amaya robertson and uh it's a case that i, I kind of wanted to cover on the show itself because you know, you have these cases where fucking entire children go missing and nobody's held accountable for it. The mother wasn't arrested, the boyfriend wasn't arrested. Um they was there like they, an they,
1: investigation? Attached? Oh, to
0: it? Absolutely. Um but there's no evidence that um there was any foul play amongst the mother and the boyfriend or the babysitter even. Um the babysitter was named, everybody knew who she was and you know they couldn't really peg anything you know during one of these investigations you can't just arrest somebody like you have to have evidence and even though common sense says clearly there was some conspiring going on amongst the boyfriend and 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 the lady the and the mother um that's it i mean it's just a gut feeling it's just common sense but there isn't anything to hold them accountable um so you know it's kind of just one of these again this happens a lot um you know we all we're all familiar with like the uh you know casey anthony and how she walked yeah, and uh, wasn't charged with anything is devastating you know and everybody's like how how how, how, how does that happen what well, happens all the time um so i, I kind of wanted to bring light to the case originally because you know first of all it's ridiculous that it's been three and a half years and nothing had ever um come of it but also um you know just to kind of shed light on the fact that people just go fucking missing people children elderly people men women people just go missing <laughs> and nothing's yeah. ever nothing ever comes of it ever again um but there you know I, I i might not have to do an episode on it um you know or at least not that case anyway uh because uh yesterday it was reported that the mother was arrested and oh, is okay. being charged not with murder um but she's being charged with um basically neglect uh what the what the charges are is basically neglect leading to the death of this child um because they did rule it a homicide even though there's no body um you know they they suspect that clearly the baby's probably dead um you know but yeah she's been arrested the boyfriend's also now got a warrant out for his arrest so there's been movement on the case so even though the case is three and a half years old and there didn't really seem to be any um light at the end of the tunnel there very well could be so that is i mean it's ex- as exciting you know as it can be for a case of a missing baby but <laughs> well,
1: i wonder what her history is like and if she has any kind of uh abuse in her history as far as her you know abusing children or, or you know anything like that if there's any kind of history with this
0: she's definitely a very hot mess um she, no, so she had an older child um who was taken initially so she had two children the baby went missing the older child was taken but she had gotten she had regained custody back of him like i said went and had another um baby and then went to go have yet another baby and she's pregnant with her third (laughs) so for every year that her one baby has been missing she's just continued to have a new one and um there's lots of drugs and just very dysfunctional background involved but you know we don't know the whole story yet the hope is that now that she is in jail um, she might start talking yeah Um, you know so we'll see what happens but I just like I said kind of wanted to bring that up um, because it just was important to me so it was a victory to me
1: (laughs) what state was it in
0: this is Indiana okay you know so there's lots of speculation did she sell the baby did she um you know did did they kill the baby did he kill the baby you know who killed the baby where is the baby
1: (laughs) yeah i mean there's a lot of questions i mean like who is the babysitter what is what is their record what is their history you know well are they they actually a babysitter do they have a history of being a babysitter
0: so they the babysitter was real um there was so much drama like spread with this let me tell you something true crime facebook groups are off the motherfucking chain and these people know exactly what's going on before the police do
1: (laughs) yeah i remember (laughs) Um, when the um what was it, to uh to uh, making a murderer that's given oh, yeah. every case like the reddit was so much more informative than yeah. the actual show
0: yeah and and that's how these things go and you know me being somebody that that's into these topics i mean i, I follow true crime pretty closely and I, i've watched things you know one of the the more famous um more recent cases the chris watts case i mean i watched that from day one um you know and, and so i watch these cases and i'll tell you a lot of them end up unsolved i mean you never get any type of um closure on any of it and it's crazy because these people absolutely dig into these people's lives and as nuts as it sounds i mean you really get to know them personally (laughs) yeah you
1: know what what case that i was always really interested in was the the woman who was murdered by her boyfriend uh when they were on van life like tour do you remember that?
0: did they ever find him i know
1: that he kind of ran away into the everglades but i don't remember hearing like the conclusion to that
0: yes he ran away um he killed himself in the woods uh okay he he killed himself in the woods and they found his um they they found like a notebook where he had written like a suicide letter saying that um he did kill her he strangled her and uh but you know first he had said that she had gotten very sick um with some type of infection um and then he pretty much made it sound like he put her out of her misery. But that's it. I mean, now he's dead, so we can't question. About, yeah, his you know, the was involved to,
1: in that too, right? What's that? His mother. There was a whole thing about his mother, kind of like hiding him or, or something like that.
0: Well, people didn't know. People were harassing his. He was supposed to have gone back home to his family, his 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 parents' house, and he had left their house, and ha- nobody could find him. He was on the run. And um, even though he wasn't being held or anything, you know, he was just a suspect. He just fucking disappeared. And people kind of speculated that the parents were hiding him. Um, So they would, like, leave. The parents would leave and people would, like, nitpick, like, the size of their bags and, like, things that they're like, there's something in there. Yeah. Um, You know, which, of course, at this point, I do believe that they were all wrong. I think that, I don't know, I I doubt his parents knew that he was going to go commit suicide, be pretty fucked up to encourage a child to do that, even if they are guilty of murder. Um, but who knows? <laughs> you know, so but that was another big one on social media um that people follow. And so, you know, get into them. If you're into the tree crime thing, I mean, I mean, you know, start um digging into some of these cases and kind of watch how they progress. You learn a lot from a legal standpoint how these things work. Um, you know, one of the big uh, fun things that had happened with Chris Watts case is that after he had pled guilty, took a plea deal, pled guilty, and um, they released what's called the, the discovery. So when you have a big case um, or any case at all, you have what's called a discovery and it's a file of the investigation. It's basically a timeline and a step by step and the evidence breakdown and it's shit that you couldn't even imagine. You wouldn't have even thought of as a regular person to have gotten access to. Um, and a lot of people had kind of just discovered that this was something that existed. I mean, there is a, a case file and you have access as a citizen once that case file, once the trial is over, um, once charges you know, are, are done and, and over with, you have access to all of that information for any case that you could imagine. So it's um, pretty neat, pretty cool stuff. So anyway. In, well, in
1: Maryland, uh, there's been a lot of controversy about cases in Baltimore. Uh, the discovery files either – just go up missing or they don't make an uh they don't make it accessible to the public for like a really long time and that's just because of how incompetent our police force is in the city um but that was a big deal for a a number of cases actually
0: that's yeah that's not a good thing at all well i mean discoveries should be made available um so that way the attorney of who's being uh you know charged can can get access to it (laughs) and appeal (laughs) so right absolutely um, you know that's one thing and then just i mean just as far as like public access go i mean do we really need to know all of the details of a case i guess not no we're not we're not owed that at all um but it you know it's kind of cool i like yeah, I to have so. access yeah it's neat um you know so we'll see we'll see what happens with this missing baby i'm, I'm hoping that there's some justice served i mean i get it, the baby's probably dead um but at the same time three and a half years and someone's finally being held accountable for it that's pretty amazing so we'll uh continue to watch that but and not so depressing news about dead and missing babies Um, (laughs) let me switch gears on you a bit um this weekend's the mothband festival
1: I know. I'm really bummed. I was planning on going, and then I realized I'm going to be with Timothy Renner at the Transcendence Conference in uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania. But mm-hmm. uh, I really need to go to Mothman Festival, especially like next year or something like that.
0: Absolutely, you do. It is going to be uh, fucking phenomenal. Um, you know, they haven't had it since 2019, which was my first Mothman Festival that I ever went to. Okay. Um, And it was before who i am now as a matter of fact it is my anniversary of uh, me taking on this job full time so that 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 was the pivotal moment that mothman festival weekend um was what fucking absolutely changed my entire life so very neat um it'll be cool to actually see the festival itself um knowing what i know now and knowing the people that i know now (laughs) because i didn't know i saw all these people that i've met over the past three years you know i probably saw every single one of them in 2019 and had no idea who they are and that's just kind of a crazy um you know stoner thought i guess (laughs) so but i will be there um i will be at the mothman festival i am not vending i don't know if i ever will if i'm perfectly honest with you it is a huge event it is one of the biggest type of these events out there um you know unless I am able to hire a whole bunch of people to hang out at my table all day long it's just very overwhelming um but I will I will physically be there it means that I have more time to talk to all of you um don't be afraid to approach me um I'm not very good at approaching people that I only know online but I'm very easily recognizable with my bright red hair so (laughs) don't be shy (laughs) so there's that um what else is coming up oh October the 1st um, I will be I will be speaking and vending at Mysticon at the Ravenswood Library in Ravenswood West Virginia so definitely come and check that out
1: I will definitely be there are you gonna be there yeah I didn't even know about it but since it's in West Virginia that's only <laughs> a couple hours from me so uh yeah I'll definitely come to that. Okay.
0: you got October 1st plans? well I'll be there <laughs> talking about The Mothman, because that's what I do. So (laughs) definitely come check that out. Um, We will both be there. Come say hi to the both of us. So (laughs) it'll be great. And then um, immediately the weekend after, I will be at the Wonders Expo in Monroeville, Pennsylvania. Okay, so, very cool. Right outside of Pittsburgh, speaking there. It's an it's an oddities expo, um, and I will be um, probably talking about the Mothman again. I don't know. Maybe I'll switch it up. Maybe I'll talk about something else. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I knew that, uh, I think, October 14th, the 16th, is the Wild and Weird Con in, in West Virginia as well. I will be there. Yes.
0: Wild and Weird Con in West Virginia. Virginia like that.
1: I'm just going to be attending, but if anyone recognizes me, I'll have uh, pa- you know, uh, some buttons and uh, business cards for Strange Dominions, so uh, come say hi.
0: Perfect. I won't be speaking at that one. I will probably physically go um, because it is uh, my good friends over at Wild and Weird West Virginia, uh, Ron and Joe, who that's their event. That's their thing. And I love you
1: doing the, uh, the 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 investigation with uh, Jesse, I think the night before the main event.
0: I did not know that there was an investigation the night before.
1: Yeah, it's like the VIP. Um, oh. I'm definitely going to do that. I, I'm really excited to go on an investigation uh with her and joe i don't know i think joe's gonna be there so um yeah yes. it's, it's,
0: it's size enough to be a really cool event they're great people have you ever met them before
1: no but i've oh. had jesse on my show and i've yeah. spoken with her a number of times
0: oh yeah her and joe are fantastic people um absolutely highly recommend them um if there, i didn't know there was an investigation going on i will have to message some people and yeah I,
1: I only found out about it through their live stream the other day
0: uh... If that makes sense. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna figure that out. So lots of things, lots of uh, awesome events coming up, and uh, your opportunity. Oh, oh my gosh, the weekend right before Mothman, the Van Meter Visitor Festival in Iowa. If you're out that way, go to that. I don't know for sure yet if i'm going to be there or not i am trying to get there um but it is it, you know it's not just right up the road it's about eight hours away which isn't bad but i'm, I'm also an adult so i gotta <laughs> make sure that <laughs> i can get there but if you are close to that area go to the van meter visitor festival um it's uh you know chad lewis has has a huge hand in it he'll be there jeremiah byron from bigfoot society podcast he'll be there um uh, friend and fan of, uh, you know fan of the show and uh, previous guest Jeff Craig with the map in black he'll be there um, so even if I'm not there it's still a worthy endeavor if you are physically able uh, to to get to it um plus the van meter visitor that's a great story you know so go learn about it um,
1: also on October 9th is Albert Day in uh, Columbia Pennsylvania I will be there if you're in Pennsylvania Maryland Virginia and can get there I highly recommend it I was there last year it's a really cool event oh.
0: Okay. Maybe I'll show up after I'm done speaking at the Wonders Expo. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'll be in Pennsylvania already. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> like the
1: Originally, I was supposed to be an intern for uh, Timothy Renner of Strange Familiars through my college, um, but it didn't really turn out that way. But uh, now for the next like month, two months, I'm going to be his uh, like conference and festival roadie.
0: Very cool. You will meet a lot of people. Um, yeah, I'm do, very excited about it. Yeah, you'll do tons of things. It's more valuable than I mean, honestly, getting out to these events is the most valuable um, asset that, that you can have in this field. Especially, you know, learning when you're learning the ropes and all that. Um, you know, just talking to these people, it's amazing. My favorite part of the the Withville um, UFO festival was afterwards, after the festival, and we all went to the brewery together, and then some of the townspeople came along. And it was listening to them and having them talk about this UFO flap that happened in real time and kind of just how it was received at the time. And, you know, you don't get that information in a book. You don't get that in a podcast. <laughs> you know you only get it right from the horse's mouth at these events. And let me tell you, people that have these experiences go to these events a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> it's and then just not to mention all the other great researchers and, and all that that you meet. So um great well I'm glad. i th- I think everybody's set for um the next month at least so. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> With their plans if there's more stuff we'll uh let you guys know as, uh, as it goes on um so w- why don't you go ahead and and give yourself a, a better proper introduction why don't you tell the people who you are what you do just the basics and then we'll kind of jump off from that point
1: all right well my name is octavian graves i am the creator and host of strange dominions uh, I have started, you know, I started the podcast in uh, technically 2021 in September, uh, but I didn't start making it public until the January of this year. And basically what it is, is an exploration of both the occult and the paranormal and where applicable, trying to find the links and the parallels between the two phenomena.
0: And I think that is a very worthy endeavor. What where I mean, so when did you get interested in the paranormal in general? What was what, what's your origin story there?
1: From like almost day 1 of existing. Um <laughs> I remember being a little little kid and my grandmother used to read me these stories that she had made up herself about a, a little boy and his dog Spook who would go investigating places. And um, she also I don't know if you're familiar with the author and illustrator Edward Gorey, but uh, he makes he made these very kind of macabre uh, drawings and things like that and stories to go along with them. And my grandmother introduced me to that as a child. And so that, along with going to the school library and checking out scary stories to tell in the dark, ghost books, Bigfoot books, all that stuff. I mean, this stuff really started for me in the single digits
0: wow well that's awesome so you just and that's because just your grandmother was your whole family kind of a band of weirdos I mean
1: my grandmother is definitely the like the weirdo and then everyone else (laughs) has like lesser degrees of weird and they they accept it but they don't embrace it too much
0: they just put up with it (laughs)
1: they're accepting of my interest in it
0: I gotcha I understand (laughs) and I and, and, and you know that's okay um did you have I mean have did you hmm Hmm. I don't want to word it I don't want to word my question that way when did you start kind of bridging the occult into all of this when was that something that you were like oh this is obviously connected
1: well when I you know I've been into the occult also since I was a little bit older um, probably like 10 or 11 I started really getting into it and that was spawned from my love of heavy metal and heavy metal and the occult it's ba- you know heavy metal was basically the music of the occult and uh, i got really into it and i got really into the aesthetics of it and the history i never quite figured out how to get into practicing it every time i would try and talk to someone who i thought was into the occult they would basically tell me something like i can't tell you you need to figure that out for yourself and it was kind of a vicious cycle like if i don't know where to go then how do i get into it for myself you know um in april of 2021 i that whole year Uh, And like the end of 2020, the beginning of 2021, I had experimented for the first time with psychedelics and um, I had some pretty good experiences with that. And then my fourth or fifth time, I had a I don't call it a bad trip. I just call it a very um, tumultuous trip because at the time it was terrifying. But afterwards, I got this massive information dump in my brain and uh, I started to kind of realize how fluid our reality really is. Sure. And it, I had a couple visions in that experience that were very esoteric. And I started to think like, you know, I just need to do it. Like, there's no reason for me to, to keep wondering about it. I just need to get into it in any way I could. And so I started with Norse paganism because that is a side of my family that I'm very interested in. And I started noticing through the folklore and the mythology, these parallels between what was told about in the the Norse poems and Eddas and things like that uh, with what people were experiencing in mundane life with the paranormal. Um, You know, there's a lot of parallels between land spirits and Bigfoot. There's parallels between Dogman and certain mythological creatures. And I kind of moved away from the Norse pagan stuff for a while and I got into ceremonial magic and I realized how just how Prevalent. A lot of things that would go on in a ceremonial ritual or a spirit evocation are to many different areas of the paranormal, and so I started really looking into that specifically. And I found so much information; it's crazy. And I'm still, you know, diving in and uh, finding all the specifics. The thing to remember about my show is that I am not a master magician. I'm a magician in training. And what you're listening to when you hear Strange Dominions is really my journey through the paranormal and the, the esoteric uh, being broadcast for everyone else. Um, the thing that I realized is I met a lot of people who were very much in the same boat that I was in the sense that they'd always wanted to get into the occult, but they had no idea how. And a lot of the books they were reading just weren't really giving them the starting point that they needed. And so I kind of saw myself as the... Um, The poster child for i want to get into it but i don't know how and so what i wanted the show to be was a um a message to people saying like listen if you don't know how to get into this stuff listen to me and start with me you know join me on this journey because we're all in it on the same level i am no i am not any more advanced than anyone else i'm just like everyone else in this
0: very cool have you considered writing a book about that
1: Yes, I have. I'm actually um, I'm basically the way that the podcast is forming to be is that this whole year has been phase one of the operation, which is just uh, reconnaissance and research. And then next year, as I'm in a position to actually start practicing, I'm going to start writing down all of my experiences, all my experiments and things like that and my journey and kind of starting out my own first book.
0: I I love that you have um you know you seem to have this very good sense of of clarity um and understanding that you are still very new um you know as as I mentioned talking about the Mothman Festival that is my anniversary (laughs) for all this weird stuff in my life at that point two weeks before I went to the Mothman Festival um I was an extreme skeptic you know I, I was I needed science and I needed conventional science to back me up on my beliefs and um it, it was that weekend that that changed my entire life because things happened that you know I couldn't there was no scientific exp- explanation for it just was and um I am constantly even at my three-year mark beating myself up um because I feel like I haven't done enough and that's just absolutely ridiculous and um so I'm Continue, continue being forgiving to yourself, please. <laughs>
1: because... Yeah, absolutely, and I definitely feel that. Right. I mean, this whole year I've been trying to get out into the field and put some of this research and these um, ideas and theories into practice. But the problem is, no, it's very hard to find someone to go out with you. And yes. I know, first and foremost, the dangers and the perils of going out by yourself right. into the woods at night. Um, you know, with very little. Protection or, or anything like that, um, just to well, get yeah. some research done. Yeah, and lack so. of
0: experience. I mean, you yeah. know, it, is, it can be very dangerous. So you're right. Um, it's a slow process. It's slow, and that's okay. That it is. You know, these people that that you look up to when you when you start into these things. um You know, think about it. You're looking up to them, and they've been doing this for how long? Yeah, <laughs> you know, and they're still okay. learning. Um, you know, and, and so it's, you know, again, being forgiving to yourself, I think is extremely important. Um, you know, and, and you're right, finding other like-minded people who are local, um, because you'll make so many friends that live from everywhere. (laughs) Oh yeah, I already
1: have. Um, you know, you, Timothy Renner, Soraya Azkath from Where Did the Road Go podcast. Um, I've made a lot of really, really valuable, I mean, Jesse and Joe from, um,
0: Helbent Holler. Yes,
1: Helbent Holler. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, I, I know that she does Wild and Weird as well. I was going to say that, but I was like, wait, that's not her main show. Um, but yeah, I've made a lot of really valuable and interesting contacts through doing this already. And I've only oh. been into it for less than a year at this point
0: oh yeah and and you will and it will um and you'll you'll start living for the moments that you're surrounded by those people i promise you know you just you're attracted to these events (laughs) you know you don't go just to meet the fans and just to go because it's fun you know eventually it gets to the point you just go just to see your people oh yeah um because you know a lot of us don't have that at home you know of course we might have some strange friends right but they're not really into it like we're into it so i can relate i was very lucky uh, to find Anne, my research partner and uh and, and still even still Anne's just along for the ride like she'll just do whatever it is i tell her so <laughs> um find yourself an Anne. but um yeah I, you know I, I think that i think that you're definitely on, a, on the right path to all these things how do you identify spiritually what do you when people's like what's your spirituality what do you say
1: you know I've contemplated that question a lot, and I think that the um, the best way for me to describe it is as a polytheistic animist, meaning that I I you know I work with and I am interested in pretty much a, a wide variety of pantheons and and spiritual practices, and I'm also an animist, so I believe that there are spirits within everything in the natural world, and um, Yeah. So, and the funny thing is that when people hear me say that, especially when I tell them that I still kind of identify as a Norse pagan, they're like, well, you know, the ceremonial and grimoire stuff is all very Christian. How, how does that work? Um, doesn't that kind of, how does that jive with the pagan stuff? And the way that I tell them is that, you know, a long time ago, before there was a church, before there was a synagogue, there were the Canaanites and they were a polytheistic, uh, culture and, uh, Elohim, Yahweh, El, these were all separate gods. These were all separate entities. And as um, the Canaanites fell and, and, and Judaism came up and then Christianity, those gods all basically got morphed into one singular entity that we know as, you know, the hypercosmic God. God. Um, so you can take that however you want, but I'm still not necessarily sold on the Christian God being one singular entity.
0: Sure. I, I think a lot of people... Um, even the Christians in the community can agree that the Bible itself, the Christian Bible, is heavily, heavily mistranslated and um, purposefully mistranslated to, you know, to gain some type of control over people. Absolutely.
1: And And if you've listened to the show, um, my fans will know that, especially in the beginning of the show, I was very outspoken about my criticisms of Christianity. And I've kind of narrowed that down to my criticisms of churchianity where, um, right, yeah
0: just organized religion um
1: yeah, yeah exactly
0: <laughs> in general you know it, it's it's all it, it's all seated in just control uh control of masses and that's what it is um you know but but I, I agree i i share very um very similar views to you but but also different um but you know i tell people all the time it, it's not just because I I have my view on something doesn't mean that you're wrong or somebody else is wrong or you know whatever. It's just that religion, not religion, spirituality is very personal. Absolutely. Um, you know it, it it is what you make it. Um, you know when I when I almost died a couple months ago, um, it really ramped up. Before that point, I'd always been interested in near death experiences, um, and you know of course after having my own, I I took a new interest in the topic and um had really been digging into people's experience i've had people reach out to me just in solidarity like hey you're not alone i've been through this too but this is what happened to me and i've listened to their stories and it's amazing how different they all are um you know there's some people that will tell you straight up and down like listen i know that christianity is the way because i went to hell and i was told if i didn't repent this is where i was gonna live yada 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 i've had people that have died multiple times in their life and nothing happened nothing Mm -hmm they just came back (laughs) you know so who knows what that is is it you know um things firing off in the brain making you believe whatever it is that you're already predestined to believe because of the way you're brought up maybe it could be or there could be something to it um a lot of these near-death experiences mimic not to sound like Joe Rogan, but, but mimic what happens when you do DMT. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, absolutely. And I've had um, my experiences with that. I've never broken through. Um, for some reason, my body like rejects it. Like it's, it just, it's involuntarily terrified of the experience yeah. and it will not let me get past the point
0: of no return. Yeah, I believe that. Um, some people are just, that's what happens. And I, I don't, I don't necessarily know why. Um, Gosh, hold on a second. I have a cat that I'm trying that's trying to wrestle his way <laughs> onto my computer area. Okay,
1: I know how that is. <laughs> the only reason that hasn't happened to me yet is because I'm in the basements and the cat aren't the basement and I'm not, the cats aren't allowed down here. So
0: <laughs> that's, that's what I should do: lock them out. But then they'll like fucking try to ram my door and like. Burn oh, you yeah. down um so <laughs> so i just let them and i just deal with it as they come but anyway fucking cats and we're talking about uh you know stuff that they like so
1: absolutely we um. retract them
0: <laughs> they're like you're talking about me i know they're like tap me in i know yeah um, <laughs> anyway uh but yeah so i i mean you know as whatever and, and i believe these near-death experiences happen because um Again, it's personal. (laughs) We're all on our own personal journey, on our own personal path. And what that path means for us just depends on a million different factors. Um, You know, like I subscribe to numerology really heavily, actually and you know i so that means i subscribe to life paths and i just believe that it's just cyclical and you're just being recycled over and over again to complete this path for whatever reason um i don't know why it's not up to me to know why I'm, i'm living here and now that that is what's up to me um so for the most part i don't really think too much about like um i don't think too much about you know afterlife or you know where do we go and you know this that and the other i just i don't it has no bearing on me now, you know, so.
1: Yeah, I, I try to um, keep myself from those thoughts. They they definitely become intrusive at a certain point.
0: They do, and that's, that's my problem with it, and, you know, it's just that I'm just going to obsess over it, and uh, there's no reason, and it's going to take time away from the here and now, and I'm not going to accomplish what I'm put here to do anyway, so, <laughs> you know so with your tie-in to a lot of this stuff and, and i feel like um what do they call it now they call it the woo still right oh um, yeah <laughs> we woo believers i guess um what was one of the biggest cases that you noticed mm, that, that you kind of t- like took onto yourself and started really theorizing about this is something bigger than what's typically reported Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does. Uh, So one of the things that I've been researching, actually because of the podcast, I have gotten at this point three separate stories about people having shadow people experiences where the shadow people were either benevolent, nice, or they were actually um, what we would call uh, intermediary spirits where the shadow people actually introduced uh, my guests to other spirits that they work with in a magical context. Um, one of my guests, Cain uh, Del Sol, who's an author and a cultist, he actually formed an entire magical system based on the spirits that he met through the shadow people that he was enc- encountering as a child. So I've been really looking into the similarities between shadow people and how they act and other classes of spirits that people experience uh, in a, on a magical setting
0: that's very neat um you know because the typical um you know when you think of shadow person it's it's demonic and evil every time so that is very cool that you've gotten more stories that aren't like that
1: yeah um i don't know if you're familiar with the author w.t watson
0: no you were telling me about that author but i haven't looked into them yet
1: Uh, so he has a couple books out um uh, a book about the paranormal and fog uh, about black. And then he has another one about black dogs. And then he just released his third book about uh, Canadian monsters and mysteries in the fog book. He has a, an account of a woman having a shadow person experience where it was kind of starting off as a very malevolent malevolent entity. And um, as the experiences progressed through the nights, she, I guess eventually went out of body with the shadow person and the shadow person kept telling him, uh, mysteries, mysteries, or questions, questions. And then he, she just said, you know, stop, I want to go home, uh, leave me alone. And he just kind of like left and she was end up in her bed. And I found that to be very interesting about, you know, if you, if she had not banished it or, or told it to leave and she had kind of went with it, so to speak, I wonder what kind of information she would have gotten or or where that would have taken her
0: yeah that is really interesting has she ever well this was someone um well you, just in a
1: book um, yeah, I don't remember the, the, the experiencer's song. name I'd need to ask uh, WT about that but um yeah that was a really interesting case that I wanted to dig more into
0: yeah I'm that person don't be afraid to just approach people I, I read a name in a book and I'm like let me go see if they have Facebook oh yeah I've done that <laughs> usually they times. do <laughs> so, I'm not afraid at all <laughs> Um, but some people don't think about stuff like that for some reason. I don't know why uh, it's social media. Just reach out. You know, the worst yeah, thing can it, say is it, nothing.
1: The strange thing that I've noticed, um, you know, I started using the internet back in 2005 and it is the, the landscape and the, I guess, the etiquette of the internet has changed so much, where it used to be totally okay and normal to just talk to random people. And nowadays, there's a little bit of a hesitation with people talking to people they don't know online. There's almost kind of a a strange taboo about it.
0: Well, I think it's the same concept of how we used to be very neighborly with each other, and and we're not anymore. Um, You know, it's just that... uh, you know, people prove time and time and again that they take advantage of these situations, and so it makes people afraid to continue that behavior.
1: Yeah, but I've definitely gone out of my way to message many people of books I've read and, and things like that, and I've gotten a couple responses. I've gotten a couple kind of closed doors, but other than that, it's been a pretty fruitful endeavor for me.
0: Yeah, I've been, I'm, I'm very, I'm always telling everybody, I'm like, just don't be afraid to ask, especially new podcasters. Um, who should I have on the show? Well, who do you want on the show message them right. yeah <laughs> most people will say yes <laughs> so you know it's not that it's not that pressing um you know but you know i'm i'm always like that but especially experiences experiencers and things like that more often than not they're more they're, they're willing to talk about their stories um you know there's a reason why they they let it go into a book in the first place and they shared their name um yeah. you know they want to talk to other people about it because they themselves are trying to understand it's just like when you have a problem and you kind of you know you take it to somebody else right And you just kind of talk it out it's not necessarily because you want that person to solve it for you it's just because talking it out can kind of make you rationalize things a little bit differently
1: It can also um, lead to more information uh, just talking to someone casually about your experience they might bring up an experience similar but has uh, other Uh, attributes to it that are similar to the ones you had that you hadn't mentioned and then there spawns an entirely new conversation with a lot of insight.
0: Well and that's what I tell everybody report everything weird that's ever happened to you to me because I want to know what it is because just because nothing came of it just because it happened one time and nothing ever happened ever again and you don't know what it was and it was weird but it wasn't a big deal it could be a big deal it could be the missing piece of this puzzle or, or it could help to further other things that You know, you just don't know, Um, you know, and so I just I just encourage everyone to talk about all their weird things all the time to everybody anyway, but especially to me. So (laughs) and you can go on Strange Dominions and talk about it, too. So, (laughs)
1: Absolutely. I always want more experiencers as guests. I've only had a couple on just because of the ones who've emailed me or or messaged me about coming on the show. But I (laughs) definitely want uh, more just regular people coming on to tell their stories because it really I think it's good for them to be able to talk about it. And it also helps me because it aids my research in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so what kind of topics, I mean, again, you're still early on in in your um, endeavor here and things will change. <laughs> you know, you will pick up other things and, and put down other things and whatnot. But what kind of, is there anything that you are like looking forward to in the, in the future, really deep diving into and getting to know more about and hoping to kind of, um, you know, Makes build some bridges about or close some gaps? or I mean, is there anything that just really tickles your fancy, I guess?
1: Yeah. So what I've basically been doing um, is researching Renaissance and medieval magic and, and grimoire magic, and that is the actual evocation of spirits into physical manifestation. And uh, I haven't yet practiced because it is a very involved work, and I am unable to do it where I live uh, just because of my house my home situation i'm kind of forbidden from doing that um but i'm hoping to actually be able to start practicing that the beginning of next year and what i want to do with that really is um learn the ropes of that and get really good at it and kind of commune with these certain spirits and get to know them and then start asking them questions about the paranormal and seeing what they can tell me because one of the things that i find so fascinating and and there's kind of a um a distinction between old magic and new magic. And new magic doesn't really involve spirits as much. There's definitely uh, applic- you know applications for spirits to be present and to work with uh, the practitioner. But for the most part, a lot of new magic is more based on... Uh, the internal aspects of the practitioner, the magician, um, you know, working through your spiritual form, your inner form, things like that. Uh, old magic is much more external. It, It deals very much with, uh, talking to spirits, learning what they have to show you, and then putting that, uh, knowledge to use. And so, um, a lot of magic from that time period, the you know, late antiqu- late antiquity, uh, the medieval and renaissance periods, a lot of that magic comes from spirits. It's it's somebody who summoned a spirit and said, OK, spirit, uh, what do you have to teach me? What kind of magic can I learn from you? The spirit tells them. And then there you go. You have basically a new magic practice based on spirit knowledge. And what I want to know basically from these spirits is if there's anything they can tell me about um ways to contact ghosts, ways to contact even cryptids. I know that, you know, there's obviously a a flesh and blood aspect to cryptids, um, but there's also a weird aspect. And it may not necessarily be spiritual, but if it is, then a spirit would be able to tell me that. And I would love to know and kind of learn more about how to interact with these Entities and for other people to interact with these entities in a more controlled way, so that way you're not so terrified. It's not so surprising. You can actually um, control the situation and get you know get to know some of these things that people are experiencing in a very uh, terrifying way. I want to kind of break that and get people to see that there are actual methods of contact and methods of protection and you know things like that so that way they can really um talk to these things themselves and so i want to talk to the spirits and i want to ask them about these paranormal things and and see where that goes what they can teach me what what roads that opens up for me
0: so what do you so what cryptids do you think you know clearly i know where you stand on it but you know you said that there's A flesh and blood aspect to it um kind of talk about that a little bit more of 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 what you mean by there's a flesh and blood aspect but there's also some type of phenomena behind it
1: so we know that people see and experience bigfoot dog man even Mothman in the flesh they see them they hear them and in some very rare cases they are uh, physically touched or in contact with these things And it can seem very flesh and blood like they are just a regular animal. But then these other weirder stories come out about Bigfoot cloaking or vanishing or the um, the old uh, the tracks that just stop and no one knows where they went. They just stop abruptly. Um, And it's a very strange phenomena. And so what I basically want to find out is, um, you know, what's the deal with that? Where, you know. I can't say, for a matter of fact, that Bigfoot or Dogman is a spirit that is just coming into our reality in a physical manner. Uh, I don't have the uh, the proof or the evidence to show that, and so intellectual curiosity, you know, intellectual honesty dictates that I can't s- state that I know that Bigfoot's actually a spirit that just sometimes yeah. becomes physical. Um, but the uh, I definitely feel that there is something else going on with Bigfoot, but more. On the side of things like Dogman and the jersey devil there is an author by the name of jason miller who put out a new book called consorting with spirits and it's it's a man it's, it's a magic book it's an occult book but he uh, tells a story about when he was in new jersey he was doing some rituals to uh Hakate, which is also a spirit or a, a god that i or goddess that i uh work with in my own practice mm-hmm. and um He was introduced to the spirit of this witch in New Jersey, and that spirit told him how to evoke the Jersey Devil, and according to him, he did it. Now, this is revolutionary, in my opinion. I've never heard this talked about um, openly. So the idea that this guy... Was able to summon the Jersey Devil and work with it on a magical level. That opens up so many more doors for the possibility of Dogman being worked with in a magical setting. If it is in fact a spirit, or if Mothman is a spirit, uh, if there's a way of contacting that spirit, and uh, you know, and then that opens up more doors. So you know, let's just say, for example, you were able to find out that Dogman is actually a spirit that comes in the form of a, you know, a, a dog headed man, human. um, And, you know, you find that out, you find a method of contacting it, you contact it. And now you could find out what does that spirit have to teach you? What kind of magic does that spirit um, know about that can impart onto you? And then that just brings up a whole book basically of, of questions and journeys that you can have with these uh, entities. I don't know if that answered your question or not. It
0: does, yeah. I have to tell you something after the show, um, and I know people hate that, but I'm gonna just let keep them guessing. It's
1: okay. I do that all the
0: time with my guests. It reminds me. <laughs> so anyway, and it's about that. So anyway, um, yes. So do you? Um, I mean, do you? Okay, in this field, I have a difference between my personal opinion and my professional opinion. I do like, too. Yeah, your professional opinion is things that you have irrefutable evidence to back up that claim, right? You've got, uh, um, and and when you're talking about the unknown, right, most of that irrefutable evidence is just critical thinking. But, (laughs) you know, you've got your facts, right, that you accept as a professional as facts, and then you've got your personal bias, you know, Mm -hmm. I want to believe that there is a plesiosaur living in Loch Ness. I that is my personal opinion. My professional opinion is that if there's a lot, there, there's a monster there. It's either something that is not terrestrial, or it's just a giant eel, and that's fine. You know, um, in, in whatever way, um, it probably sounds like more your personal opinion. Um, what do you theorize these things are? Then, do you think that they are spirits? And then, how do you define spirit? What do you consider a spirit?
1: So, in my professional opinion, I don't know what these things are. Um, The way that I would define a spirit, and this kind of goes into um, some of my magical thinking in the occult, there is a distinction between ghosts and non human entities or intelligences. So you will see a lot in these grimoires and these magic books talking about spirits. And what they're talking about are mostly chthonic spirits. And, you know, a lot of people would also call that a demon. I don't use that term just because I think it's a very outdated and misused term. Um, If you know the history of it, you know that in the Greek mythology, a daemon, spelled D-A-I-M-O-N, was actually a helpful spirit, and then when Christianity took over, everything that was not of a holy nature was uh, demonized and turned evil. So that's usually what these books are talking about, but then they also talk about aerial spirits, um, nature spirits. These are just entities that have always been incorporeal. They have never had a physical form uh, that is native to them. And then you have souls of the dead, That come back or are still here and are interact with the living and we would call that a shade or a ghost um so when i'm talking about spirits i'm talking about things that are uh basically inhuman entities
0: okay just any just a catch-all
1: right just and when i talk about souls of the dead or or things like that i would use the term shade or ghost
0: okay okay fair enough let's um Let's switch gears a little bit. Let's go to uh let's talk about uh aliens. Um what do you I, I mean is there any tie to this and an extraterrestrial life or do you you know believe that there is any tie between the two? Do you think that it's just another species of, of of human or something like us or do you think that there's more of a spiritual nature to it?
1: What I can tell you is that from the research I've done, I have noticed many attributes in UFO encounters that also appear in spirit encounters and in evocation. Um, I'm sure you've heard about when people see UFOs or right before they see UFOs, they hear the sounds of music playing, specifically horns. Oh, yeah. So this is also a common thing with certain spirits in the grimoires. Before their arrival, many magicians have stated that there is this sound of horns or brass instruments being played. Um, right before the spirit actually shows up. Um, there is also the uh, universal attribute of uh, knocking. People will hear knocking in UFO encounters. This is also a, uh, a thing in spirit encounters. Uh, my co-host and mentor, who's been a ceremonial magician for t- over 12 years at this point, um, he has noted to me many times that whenever a spirit... Uh, certain spirits show up, he gets these uh, rhythmic knockings. And that is also a thing in in both UFO lore and in cryptid lore. So I don't know what aliens are. I don't know what their nature is. I just know that there are similarities between UFO and alien encounters and spirit encounters. Um, Poltergeist activity is a very common one. This also shows up in UFO encounters and in alien encounters as well as spirit encounters. And so really what I have to go on is just these similarities and these parallels. I can't yet make a definite statement about what I think they are. In my opinion, the, the chances of them just being other humans or um, little green men is getting slimmer and slimmer by the day, but mm-hmm. I do still hold that that is a possibility.
0: That's a good answer. I mean, and, and you know what? It's okay to say that you don't know. I don't I don't think anybody expects you to know everything yeah Um, but until they do and then you're like well I'm sorry I just don't Uh, but (laughs) no it's um you know that that's a very popular take um you know with a lot of us is that you know what we see is you're absolutely right a lot of this stuff mimics each other and let's just go with the with the fucking obvious look at things like the Presque Isle incident you had a couple whose car broke down they saw something, some craft crash into the woods. The, the men went to go check it out with two police officers and the women, while they, while they were away, had an encounter with a Bigfoot. You know what? What are the fucking chances that Bigfoot's just roaming around Presque Isle, which I've been to? Um, you know, it's not really Bigfoot country. Um, while they also saw a UFO. You know what? <laughs> and this happens
1: all the time. I mean, there are more and more accounts of Bigfoot being seen before, or after, or even during UFO encounters. So while yeah. I don't think we have any authority to say that they are. Um, one and the same or that they are intimately yeah. connected fundamentally. There's definitely something going on between the UFO and Bigfoot encounter. I mean, Chestnut Ridge is probably one of the best uh, oh, yeah. well known examples, but there are many others like that
0: oh yeah oh yeah and 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 you mentioned the poltergeist activity skinwalker ranch you know Uh, there there were reports of uh, ufos all all the time and poltergeist activity within the home um portals that these scientists who had had nothing to gain by saying that they saw fucking portals and things crawling out of them (laughs) pop up um but you know you had all this activity happening these dog-like creatures um you know all in the same area and uh you know this you're right things like this happen all the time John Keel has a very um popular you know theory about it you know he calls these areas window areas um you know and that's why all these things tend to happen at once um you don't just have you don't typically just have a UFO flap right you you have a UFO flap and also all of these other things happening at the exact same time (laughs) absolutely
1: and it's no wonder why many occultists and many magicians will look for ley lines To do their work or go to specific areas where um it is known to be haunted or cryptid activity is known to occur to do their magical work and i think that is because and i can't say this for sure but there is definitely some sort of um magical for lack of a better term energy that exists in the places that this weird stuff happens
0: sure Sure I think that's you know when I first started Um, one of the things that we had started doing initially was mapping all this stuff um, out and just kind of seeing and if you if you take the map and you look at it um, and not to shill them again but I will Um, Jeff Craig's map in black great example if you look at these areas of these strange things happening they all happen in clusters. And, um, you know, if you look at the map and you look at it from from right to left, you've got the, the East Coast that's just filled with all this stuff into the Midwest is filled with all this stuff. Then you kind of get more into Central America. That's not really it's pretty it's pretty sparse. Yeah. There's things that happen, but there's really not a lot. And then you get down to the West Coast and there's all this stuff. Um, when I spoke with Jeff about it and, you know, I was curious, hey, why do you think this happens this way? um you know he is a he is a cartographer that's what the man does for a living and uh you know i ask him what do you think what's, what's the deal with that um he had a very simple answer um it's just because in the middle of the country there's less people <laughs> you know? so maybe you know what maybe the theory that there's a pattern to it could be just completely bullshit maybe there are less people but that, you know, doesn't mean that the center of the country, the central of America doesn't have their own um, th- weird things happening. It's just that there's not enough people to report it because there's not people there. Um, who knows? But either way, you know, whether or not the big picture is is something, when you take it on a smaller scale and you start looking at it on a smaller scale and you start lining all these things up together, they do still happen in clusters and they seem to happen at the same time so you know there's that somebody had mentioned um the 1960s to me they were like oh man the 1960s it was so weird during the 1960s um lots of weird happenings and stuff and initially when i started i was trying to build a timeline for this stuff i also believe that something happened in the 60s and made all this stuff appear um Then I quickly found out that the 1970s were also very weird and the 1950s were also very weird. Um, And then that's when I came to the conclusion that, you know, it's not that these things stop and start. They don't. They're always happening all the time. But what is consistent is that they're always happening in the same areas.
1: Yes, absolutely. Location is super key in a lot of these. Honestly, most of these uh, encounters and phenomena, the location really dictates a lot more than people realize.
0: Yeah, it, it absolutely does. And you know, being somebody that's in Ohio, I'm I'm very lucky to be in a in a, you know, prime area for this stuff. It, it's kind of almost like the central hub, it seems. Um, you know, w- which is great, but yeah, location is really important. Not so much the time frame itself. Um I don't give a shit about a UFO flap, you know, if I'm honest. I mean, you know, it's I guess, you know, it's interesting, but I don't personally think that these things actually happen that way. I think that they happen I think it, it it catches fire and it becomes popular and trendy and then people somebody ends up being there to report on it and then people have somebody that they can come and talk to about it so that they have that comfort and then eventually it just kind of you know the, the wind falls out of the sails and then it just kind of goes away but it doesn't it still doesn't stop because you still have people reporting on it um you know and, and i use the mothman phenomena to explain that it didn't it didn't stop when the silver bridge collapsed it continued <laughs> Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> absolutely time. and in different um, states i know that virginia is the uh the hub of mothman but that it, it doesn't mean that mothman doesn't show up in a lot of different places
0: oh yeah a lot of different places they call they just call, and that's what I say they just call it something else um wherever it is it's just mothman here it's not mothman in other places you know over in the UK they've got the owl man which is another uh, popular and I think people pretty much accept that that's the same phenomena um you know is, is the but there's other stuff too there's like um, winged humanoid women um you know basically very very feminine forms with the same red eyes. Physically, the whole being is glowing, um, but still that weird, dark, humanoid shape. It's the same phenomena. <laughs> it's just happening other places.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know? absolutely. And, you know, the the images of some of these creatures are really telling. And another crossover to a lot of the magical stuff. I mean, in so many of the grimoires, you have – let's just take one of the, the well-known spirits, which uh, we'll say is Bael. Uh, sure. He shows up, classically speaking – as the, I think the, the body of a tarantula, the head of a man, the head of a frog and the man, the head of something else. And if anyone saw that out in the woods, it would get classified as a cryptid.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. So the,
1: the, um, the application for these things showing up the way they do is a lot larger than I think people realize. And it has a lot more implications in my opinion than just a, uh, a weird animal. I think that there is a, um, I don't want to say a, uh, a a species, but there's definitely a precedent for the these things showing up the way they do
0: my own um my own theory about you know some of these things, like you talked about dog man and uh, <clears throat> you know, bigfoot. well, will use bigfoot in, as an example. I genuinely believe that there is an undiscovered species of primate roaming around North America i believe that this thing is probably all across the entire world you know again in different names and slightly different variations of this giant primate that we just haven't caught yet um i'm 100 for flesh and blood bigfoot i also believe that there are people who come across bigfoot and it is walking in the woods and it comes behind a tree and then it's completely gone just vanishes disappears behind that tree Um, I do think that stuff happens. What I think happens is whatever is causing that type of encounter, that weird paranormal supernatural type of encounter, is that you have just experienced one of these things for whatever reason. You were meant to know that you just experienced something highly strange, um, but they can't present themselves the way that they would be because they don't really for one they don't really have a form and not one that we could comprehend because we're just basic third dimensional creatures um and so they have to take on the form of something but it can't just be like a coyote you know they really got to make it stick that you had this experience and make that experience valid um and i think that that's what happens a lot in the dogman phenomena um You know, those things, I don't think that there is a flesh and blood, you know, terrestrial dog, man. It doesn't make sense. Our fossil record isn't complete. Yeah, our fossil record isn't complete. So, you know, it's hard to judge. But there isn't anything that indicates why they would evolve to walk upright. Um, It just doesn't make any sense. There's no advantage to it. Except for maybe to reach, you know, things in trees. But, you know, canines don't really eat a lot of fruit.
1: Um. <laughs> right. And you know what's funny is that the image of the dog man being a uh, half man, half dog, um, it has a more, it has a lot of, it implies a lot through mythology than it does natural history. Because I don't know if you know why Anubis is the, is it looks the way he does um, in Egyptian lore. And it's because he is the god of the dead. And in Egypt, uh, dogs were both uh, loved and hated and, and kind of seen as a pest because when they would bury their dead, they had to do it in a way that the jackals and dogs would not come and dig up the body and, and eat the dead because they that can't happen in um, the Egyptian culture like your body has to be fully intact for you to go off into the afterlife and so the the fact that Dogman shows up as half man half dog uh very similar to anubis and then also is seen so often in cemeteries and graveyards and areas of the dead i mean there is so many implications there
0: yeah that is really i did not know that that's why anubis looked that way um but that makes perfect sense actually um I, I would agree with that well and you know we kind of talked about it in the, with the episode lyle how they've changed um maybe it wasn't with lyle maybe it was somebody else i talked to about it i've talked to so many people about weird things all the time um, <laughs> but you know we were just kind of talking about how dogmen changed you know they, they used to be not very big they were like four feet tall um you know and they were just they just looked Pretty, I mean, they look like canines, they just look like dogs that were walking upright,
1: right? But that now you have great. like, uh, you know, jackal headed ones, hyena headed ones, German yeah. shepherd looking ones, they're um, huge, <laughs> yeah. It, and it's crazy how uh, they've become so varied over the years as far as the sightings go
0: right and and is that because people are making up stories and that's not actually happening well we know that some people do uh we know that a lot of people do we know a lot of people may they do make up their stories but i don't think everybody is i don't think everyone is um i I think that they're just changing with the times because again whatever these things are they're they're intelligent and they're doing it on purpose um what that purpose is i don't know i have no idea and i'm not going to say people are special or, you know, marked or whatever for, you know, having these experiences, they very well could be, I think, again, their personal experiences, and you see them because you needed to for whatever reason. Um, and then it's up to you to kind of, to kind of do the work and, and figure out why. Um, and then that answer is different for everybody. I, I, I mean, and that's just, I mean, again, that's just going strictly off of Mothman sightings. Right, <laughs> I right. know that that is a very personal experience. One thing that
1: I find interesting about that is um, a lot of magicians, including my co host Luke, he's reported this many times. um, After a lot of people do a full evocation of a, a spirit for the weeks after that ritual, there will be they will have poltergeist activity they will see many different kinds of spirits in their homes or just in their waking life that doesn't necessarily mean that's the spirit that they contacted but it's almost like um, moths to a flame when you have contact with this one you know this one kind of entity then everything else in the area sees that you have the ability to see and communicate with this thing and now they just uh, you know we don't know why they do this but it's across the board in many different uh, magical systems that involve contacting spirits. That once you contact one, it, it's kind of like the green light for a lot of other entities to come in and try and communicate with you.
0: Very interesting. Well, and that makes sense because people that um, have experiences in high strangeness don't typically just have one. You know, right. when you first talk to an experiencer, um, you know, because that's that's one thing that I do that I feel like a lot of people don't do. Uh, a lot of researchers miss out on the opportunity. I don't just talk to these people and gather their stories. I, I curate a whole friendship with them, you know. And and we continue to go on and have friendships. I know their families. I know what to do for a living. I know their everyday life. I talk to them. with friends. Um, and and they'll, they'll tell you one story. And, you know, of course, I'll ask, does anything else happen? No, nothing else. That's it. Nothing else. And then eventually they kind of come out and they're like, well... <laughs> this other thing happened. Um, you know, people tend to have these experiences over and over and over again. And one thing that is also completely across the board, 100%, is that these people that have these experiences experience trauma in their life, some type of mental or physical trauma. And I don't know what comes first yet. Is it the chicken or the egg? Um, You know, is it the trauma that because trauma physically changes the brain whether it be physical or, or or mental trauma it will physically change how the brain operates um so is it the trauma itself that gives us some type of other ability or is it that they were already predisposed anyway i really have no idea i can't answer that um but i haven't met anybody yet who's had these experiences who hasn't experienced trauma
1: Yeah, you know, there's an interesting correlation between that. And one of the things that I wanted to incorporate in the show is how the paranormal and the occult also interacts with psychedelic experiences. And uh, one of the things that I've, you know, obviously I've experienced with mushrooms. And the, the, the interesting thing about mushrooms is that it does not add anything to your brain chemistry or the chemicals in the brain. It simply changes the the pathways of your brain, uh, very subtly. Um, and so it's not adding anything. It's simply just changing things. And I wonder if there is any kind of correlation between that and, you know, because a lot of times when you have a really, um, extreme, both good and bad experience with mushrooms or any psychedelic, really, it changes how you see the world indefinitely. It definitely did for me. Oh, yeah. Um, And so I wonder if there's any correlation there about when people see these creatures or have these weird experiences, you know, how it actually and like you said, like trauma, like how it changes the brain and what that means about seeing things, you know, afterwards or, or, you know, having multiple experiences. Is it just that your brain is now um, exposed to this new way of thinking and you notice it more and and, and things uh, have the ability uh, to become more visual or, or more apparent to you?
0: Yeah. I, I have a plan to do, you know, down it's going to be way down the line, <laughs> um, you know, just in catch up in my career. But I want to do a, a DMT documentary where we get people to do it um, and scan the brain at the same time and, you know, record the experiences. It's just, it's hard to do. It's costly, um, and then, of course, finding medical staff that would be willing to partake in something like that is is difficult. Um, but I think it would be a worthy endeavor for us to look into to see, because if we can see what happens in the brain when people do crossover and they do make that contact, then we could start, work, we could start kind of reverse engineering that, figure out how to do that without the use of, of psychedelics to have to do it. Um, you know, we can figure out how to unlock that for everybody without being on them if we can you know if, if even that's a possibility and, and I think it would be again very worthy for us to discover um you know and some people hear that talk and they're just like oh you just want to do drugs well so um but <laughs> also there there is something to it you know um, I can tell
1: you for at least my experience that after the insurance I had with mushrooms drugs are not a fun thing. They're not done, at least for me personally, I would not do them uh, for a good time or for a party. They are truly, uh, you know, golden teachers are called that for a reason. They are truly there to teach you stuff. And for me, I would only do it again if I really had knowledge to seek or needed some kind of like um, really important, experience to tell me about something almost kind of like a divination uh session but in a in a different way but um yeah for me psychedelics specifically are not something to be taken lightly or or to be done for fun for me they're much more of a um i guess a spiritual substance really
0: and what's wild is that the only people that really get that are people that have done it you know uh, people that haven't done it they just they hear drugs and it's just they're automatically shut off to the idea um, without doing the research, without knowing what's really there, um, you don't know how life changing that experience is until you've done it. Um, you know, and, and and it is very uh, life altering, and you can't just like dose somebody. You know, that's another thing about it. Like you have to go into. You can't just like be like, oh, I'm gonna do go douche shrooms today. You know, you can't do that.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: It doesn't work. You're gonna have a terrible time. Um, <laughs> you, know, you have to get into a specific mindset in order to to jump in and do it. I had a friend who. Um, I used to do a bunch of drugs for fun recreationally I don't now, but you know I have and um, one of my friends at a party got um, dosed with acid liquid acid in their drink and uh, had a terrible time they were tripping you know and and how horrifying that is all of a sudden reality is not reality (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. Um, and so you know you just you can't just go do it you can't just go do drugs Um, you know that's not that's not a good idea and I don't endorse that yeah me Um, neither But, you know, I've had people when I share my Mothman encounter with people, I've gone on shows and they have edited out the fact that I admit that I that we did we were doing edibles that night
1: yeah see that's crazy to me especially nowadays when we know that you right. know edibles don't cause hallucinations they
0: don't right they do not and it's like the science is there i mean so you know but but they have so it just shows how stigmatized stuff like that still is um you know and and, uh, and then somebody had accused me i mean just from that show there had accused me of like falsifying my story well she did drugs that night she didn't admit that and i'm like i why would i go and tell my story everywhere else <laughs> right. accurately yeah. and then expect that nobody's ever heard it before and come on this show and lie
1: yeah yeah <laughs> i know it, it, it's very strange um <laughs> i sent you on uh, facebook Messenger yeah. a screenshot and uh i i really don't we don't talk about the name uh sure. of the area because it is private property but that's where i had um two actually pretty incredible experiences And uh, the reason I sent that to you is so you could see just how small of an area that is and how on the path that I was on, if you look both to your left and your right, obviously there's a forest, but you can see through the forest into the neighborhood that it's uh, bordering Mm -hmm. right there. I mean, there is no real cover at all in this area. And uh, that was something that really changed my mind about just how weird this stuff is, especially when it comes to Bigfoot and cryptids. I, and obviously, intellectual honesty, I can't say that I I had a Bigfoot experience because I didn't see anything. Everything I experienced was totally audible and kind of like an internal feeling.
0: Well, so but, tell the story.
1: Okay. So <laughs> the area that uh, I was in, um, Timothy Renner on Strange Familiars has done a couple episodes on it, and he calls it Kazoo's Woods, and I also call it Kazoo's Woods. He has a whole story about why it's called that. And uh, I had heard his episode on it, and I found the area, and I went there. Uh, I'd been there twice before with some friends of mine, and nothing really happened. But I went there by myself, and uh, I was walking on the trail, and I realized that I had never gone past a specific point. And so as I was walking up to the threshold, I guess, from where I usually had been to where I wanted to go, I, I heard what sounded like whistling. Whistling like all over. And it, it was not a bird. It sounded much more like something imitating a bird. Um, maybe like a human Im- imitating a bird, but there were no people around. Um, it's a very small park, you know, when someone's around. So I heard the whistling coming from all over, mostly behind me. And then I heard three tree knocks. And then all of a sudden, all of these birds in a, a pine, in a, a tree ahead of me, just, took off and started screaming like they had seen something or something like that. And I got this really weird feeling. It was not mind speak or anything like that. It was just a feeling like, OK, if you go forward, you're not going to you, you can either leave or go forward. But if you go forward, you're you're going to see something you don't you don't want to see or you're not prepared to see. And I was like, OK, you know what? I'll take that. And I started walking back to my car and probably five or six steps backwards I hear something grunt, and I mean, it was a heavy grunt because I felt it in my chest. And I walked back to my car and I drove home and I was very, very freaked out. Now, I didn't see anything except for the birds. I didn't see a big, hulking, hairy monster coming towards me or in the trees or anything like that. I just heard stuff. But given how small that area is, I don't really, the, the biggest thing in that area is a deer. We don't even have bears in that area bears are out west this is a more in the uh the northeast and it yeah it really set me on a on a path mm-hmm. into this weirder aspect of um bigfoot and, and cryptids and things like that
0: and those stories are always the hardest because most of them are built off of just kind, just how you felt <laughs> you
1: yeah know? yeah and it's and, a weird feeling because i wasn't yeah. fear was not the right word i wasn't scared i think i was just perplexed beyond my
0: capability does that make sense it does yeah Yeah. i I mean as someone that has these experiences a lot yeah (laughs) and and that's the thing about it is that people don't they don't get it unless they've had that experience you know you just feel it in every part of your body you feel it and it's just some i don't want to say it's some type of knowing it's so weird i don't even know how to explain it but i know exactly what you mean (laughs) and then it
1: was very strange because when I when I met Timothy for the first time, he met me in those woods because he wanted to see where it happened. And um, while we were walking up to the area that I had my encounter, I was explaining to him that that whole day uh, walking up to the woods, I would hear light tapping, not full on tree knocks, but just light tapping. And they were in a rhythmic fashion. Sure. And then as soon as we get into the area that I'm showing him, that tapping starts and that tapping followed us throughout the day from noon till 5pm we were surrounded by this tapping and we both listened to every single kind of woodpecker or bird that does that to try and get some kind of reference nothing nothing sounded like what we experienced and if you want to hear that it is episode 293 I believe on strange familiars it's called evocation of gazoo and um yeah, you can hear the whole thing, you can hear us reacting, you can hear the taps. It was a very, very strange day.
0: I haven't had a chance to talk to to Timothy Renner myself yet. I plan on it. It's just I figured we'd see each other somewhere at some point.
1: <laughs> yeah, well it comes up with day. That's like his big day. So uh he'll definitely be there and I'll be there with him as well.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I definitely, like I said, I just have, I'd love to, I've read his book, you know, I've read the books that he did, um, with, uh, God, I can't, think of
1: those are two very influential, influential books for me.
0: They're, they're, they're very good. Right. If people, if people want to get into the woo, um, where the footprints end, and then also, um, Ron Moorhead's, um, oh my God, what, what is it? Quantum Bigfoot. Quantum Bigfoot. Yes.
1: I haven't read that yet. I really need to though
0: fantastic fantastic you know they're not they're they're um you know i i heard a saying from tobias whalen and i believe it was actually carl sagan that said it first i don't know who exactly said it first um but uh keep an open mind not so open that your brains fall out right right yeah um they're that you know um that i mean they're just here's what it is don't know what this is but there's something to this <laughs> and
1: there's an important thing i think a lot of people when they hear me talk about bigfoot being a spirit or, or using magic to investigate bigfoot um they don't realize that what I do when I do go out looking for Bigfoot is I kind of start off from a very flesh and blood perspective where I look at the terrain. I look at yeah. the um, the wildlife that's in that area. I look at the water source and if there is a water source. And I kind of start my investigation off as if I'm just looking for another animal. And yeah. then- as I progress and I start noticing things I then put pieces together with the, with the woo and and the esoteric aspects that I've learned about and I kind of form a profile based on that and usually you know after uh, doing it a couple times I find that it ends up being a much weirder profile than not
0: yeah usually right that is the way you know that that's now becoming like the new thing um, you know what do you take with you on an investigation everything yeah. <laughs> be prepared for everything
1: yeah Um, and and the other thing is that if and i i I can't say and i i if it comes out tomorrow that bigfoot really is just a completely normal flesh and blood animal i won't be disappointed i won't be upset um but what i want to do is i want to start imparting onto people the idea that even if it is just a flesh and blood animal you could start doing things that are out of the ordinary that might get its attention for you to have contact or you to have an experience or you to investigate in a different way. For example, when you watch these shows uh, of people going out looking for Bigfoot, Finding Bigfoot, Expedition Bigfoot, all these things, what are they wearing? They're wearing camo and they are all wearing camo and it's always, you know, 10 to 12 dudes knocking on trees. Not only does that probably piss Bigfoot off, but he's seen it a 1001 times yeah. if not more. So what would happen if you walked in there with a with a, you know a sensor and an incense, a white robe and uh, you cast a circle and you just waited and saw what kind of attention you brought upon yourself. How does that change the nature of the encounter? There's a lot of things that we could start doing that doesn't necessarily mean that the entities that we're talking about are spiritual or magical in any way, but it would show that they it would give them something new to look at and something new to to scope out and see what that what it's all about.
0: Well something curious, I mean, think about it. If Bigfoot is a flesh and blood creature, they're learning how to evade hunters. And that is one thing that I'll say. Um hunters don't tend to have a lot of experience. Most of the time they'll be like, I go out in the woods all the time. I've never seen anything. Yeah. And I think it's because, guess what? Human with a gun. Mm-hmm. They know enough to know to avoid that. Even if they're just basic animals, they know enough that that's dangerous. Um, so if you go out there looking like a human with a gun with your camo and your and your, and your your hat, I don't know what they wear out there, um, you know, or whatever, they, they're going to stay away from you. Yeah, You know, it's <laughs> funny gonna be like,
1: because, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sure you know this, about how dogs and cats, they can kind of sense people to be around and people to not be yeah. around before they even really get to know them. And I imagine, you know how many people you hear, well, if I saw Bigfoot, I would shoot it dead. And you walk into the woods with that mindset. Now, I'm not saying Bigfoot necessarily can read your mind, but they can definitely sense that kind of, of idea mm-hmm. on you. Yeah, And well, why would they want to be around idea. you? Why would they want to chance that? I mean, we know that shooting Bigfoot doesn't really work, does it? I mean, how yeah. many stories have we heard about Bigfoot getting shot and nothing happens? It just goes right through them or, it, you know, it, it doesn't even affect them. So yeah. I think that's just a very, uh, I hesitate to say ignorant, but it's a very misinformed way of going about the phenomena.
0: Yeah I I absolutely agree. Well that's why reading um Ron Moorehead's Quantum Bigfoot is is important because he does talk a lot about that. Um not bringing a bunch of weapons, not bringing nothing because you do have other you know bears are still real right Coyotes, lions
1: wolves you know even coyotes can be vicious
0: right i mean you still have vicious animals you know bring basic protection but don't bring you know this whole arsenal with the intent to shoot to kill don't bring dogs is what he says do not bring your dog there um because they will avoid things like dogs because dogs are unpredictable and their only job is to protect you
1: and how many people have had their dogs killed during bigfoot experiences
0: you know, I mean, that's a pretty common
1: thing. I mean, that um, that famous 911 call out of Washington, he, he the reason he called was because he saw this thing. And he even said, you know, two weeks ago, my dog got killed out there. So obviously it's, it's even you know, you don't bring your dog out there because it's going to upset the Bigfoot and it's dangerous for your dog
0: right exactly yep and that's that's what ron says <laughs> don't do it <laughs> you know but he he kind of gives you this guide as to how to have a bigfoot encounter um and I, I just i i love ron more I you know i can't say it enough i love the guy he's so no no nonsense he's just like look these are the facts this is what it is these things are real you can believe me you don't have to but here's what i got
1: <laughs> absolutely
0: and i love that um you know he just he just lays it all out there but but yeah i mean you're right you know when i when i investigate um It's it's an odd thing to kind of explain because it is a new. We're we're in this community, we're experiencing this big shift. Whether people want to recognize that or not, it doesn't matter. It's happening, And, and the big shift is coming in. Um, where you know we are kind of back to for a long time. You were like, huh, strange things happen. Maybe it's all connected and then we had people that were just kind of specializing and that's where cryptozoology came from you came from a couple of, of, of zoologists who were specializing in just the animal aspects and we need people that specialize in their area i'm not great at paranormal stuff it's a part of it and if that's where my path takes me then that's where i'll go but it's not my big focus i'm even kind of falling out of cryptozoology and more into ufology nowadays and and i suspect that throughout my career. I'm just kind of going to bounce between all the things depending on what it is I'm investigating at the time but the shift that we have going on is definitely people recognizing that there are ties to this stuff whatever that may be and so now we do have people that are going out on investigations and they are investigating intuitively um I just call it the universe it's a catch-all term but the universe tells me what to investigate it brings me cases Mm -hmm. And then I'll go out if it's a physical location that I have to go out to. I'll go out to that physical location. I'll tell you what, sometimes I go out there and I just know immediately this ain't it. It's not the day.
1: Right. I, yeah,
0: Nothing's going to happen. I'll hang out. And I'll entertain the idea. Right. And I'll, and I'll, I'll see or, you know, see what's going on. But sometimes I just already know walking in there. This ain't going to be it. And then sometimes I walk in. And it's crazy magical and amazing things happen. And, you know, granted, it's never been any hard concrete evidence, but for me, in my personal experience, it's been very significant. Yeah.
1: And, you know, that's something that I've always worried about getting flack about is because there's so many people who are already out there doing it specifically just to gain evidence that's not my concern i'm not really worried about getting hard evidence what i'm interested in and what i want to impart on other people is the idea of just go out and have an experience and just savor that experience and investigate that experience personally you don't right. have to necessarily go out and get footprints you don't have to get out and go and get pictures and videos because you know we've seen that that's not going to bring us the uh, the validity that a lot of people think it is. So instead of putting all your effort into that, because there's already so many people doing it, and and you know we're very thankful for them to do that because it's hard work. I know it is. I think that for a lot of people what they need to start doing is worry less about the evidence and worry more about just having that experience and learning from a personal standpoint about that experience and how it affects you.
0: Yeah. My, my genuine belief is that these things that I think are – the same thing um they're way more intelligent than we are they're way more advanced than we are we're not going to know what they are until they tell us what they are
1: exactly yeah
0: that's just the way it is um but granted my job then now becomes not so much proving something you know with with beyond a shadow of a doubt now it's putting the pieces together of this big puzzle to open up the possibility to everybody else because i think people forget that too when you're in this community is that it's a very small community yeah Um,
1: it really is
0: yeah we're still not there yet you know it's getting more popular but like people don't even you know the fact of the matter is is that listen if you don't believe in in life forms (laughs) from other planets whether or not they visit us that that part doesn't matter if you don't believe in intelligent life on other planets you're already wrong (laughs) i can tell you that much it's so big out there beyond us um it, it's it's almost an impossibility that there isn't some type of intelligent life out there and there are still people that don't believe that you know i know so, what's that
1: i was just saying i know and it's crazy oh, i don't understand yeah, yeah. how how they just ignore this
0: that's so narrow minded right and so you know but the fact of the matter is is that that's where we are right now with all of the fringe is that we're just not a big but there's so many people that don't give a shit about bigfoot you know i got, a, I, got I got a 10 year old daughter she's like i don't believe in bigfoot and i'm like you're grounded get out of my house (laughs) you know i'm gonna take you to the children's home um you know no you know but but she doesn't you know and doesn't even care to hear about it doesn't even want to hear about it has no interest There's people that just have absolutely no interest in any of this well it's
1: interesting and i was talking to someone about this a a few weeks ago about how if you looked at how many people said they were interested in the paranormal and then how many people are actually going out and investigating or looking for the paranormal? There would be such a massive discrepancy in numbers of people.
0: Oh, yeah. The amount of people Absolutely.
1: who were are interested in are so much more vast than the people who are actually on the field doing the work.
0: Absolutely. Well, and even then, you know, you got paranormal investigators that go, they go to these haunted places, right? And they get their little evidence or little videos of the doors moving on their own or whatever. And uh, you bring up uh, Bigfoot to them. I know. They're like, no, that's ridiculous. Yeah,
1: it's very, very compartmentalized in their minds. <laughs> and I think, and I, I, if there's one thing that I hope that you know, you, me, Timothy Renner, all these people can do is blow that idea out of the water, just to just to begin with, get people just really bring us all together. Yeah, exactly. And I am. Um, it's funny because I have a couple ideas about how we can really evolutionize the idea of ghost hunting. Um, there is a play uh, from very, very early on in Greece called the Libation Bearers. And it has a direct route from these guys who go out antagonizing ghosts. And a lot of people disagree with this uh, method. And I did for a long time until I realized that that is actually an aspect of necromancy. I mean, the the play is basically a a son and daughter uh, go out to their father's grave And they basically insult him, his spirit, and and tell him, you know, all these nasty things to get him riled up. And then they go and send him or have him send a spirit to kill their stepmother who is stealing all of their money. And I think it's a very, very interesting correlation between that and going into a haunted house and cursing at the spirit to get activity. Uh, Now, whether you agree with that or not, that's totally up to you. Um, But there is precedent for that, you know, for that method throughout history.
0: That's very interesting, I do that a lot i sh- I shit talk a lot, and I probably yeah, should. and in but it works
1: absolutely, and I think that you know ghost hunters, whether they you know they will never agree with me on this, and I hope they would someday they're they're participating in some form of necromancy whether they like it or not you know necromancy is the act of speaking with the dead now the cool thing and this is one thing that i would really like to see happen is more ghost hunters utilizing necro- necromantic methods and then getting to know, know the spirits or the ghosts that they're communicating with and then using you know talking to that ghost and getting it to tell you other methods of forming a relationship with these other ghosts that you're trying to get in contact with because i think Just going out there and getting evidence, it's kind of disrespectful. These spirits, you know, these ghosts are, they have emotions, they have minds, they have (laughs) things like that. And I think feelings matter too. Yeah, exactly. And I think it would be a lot cooler if we started building relationships with these ghosts and these shades than just kind of exploiting them for YouTube, honestly.
0: And I, I think that's a novel idea. I really do. I, I think that you're on to something there. Why not try it? You know, we've done all the same shit for so long. Let's try something different. Right, exactly. <laughs> Let's try it and just see what happens. I, I agree with that. Um, you know, but but for one, you know, I, I you were talking about, you know, how, how they, you know, the ghost hunters talk shit about the cryptozoologists and the cryptozoologists talk shit about the ufologists and you know there's there's all this infighting and stuff like that that's ridiculous we need people with specialties that's what mm-hmm. we need absolutely one, not a single one of us can do all of it
1: i want to be and- a tv show kind of like uh you know like basically a a combination of ghost hunters and finding bigfoot where you have a bigfoot researcher a ghost hunter and a ufologist as a team and they're all sent to these different locations and they all do investigations on the same subject but from their own
0: expertise and see what could be learned from that that's a fucking fantastic idea right there
1: yeah you know just bringing it all together and and bringing these ideas into one method and seeing what can be uh, found out about this stuff through that
0: i love that i I think we need to pitch that somewhere we need to make like a demo reel (laughs) absolutely (laughs) and send it in somewhere I, i think that's a fantastic idea really i think it is you know but but i see the shift happening it is starting to happen it's starting to happen that way
1: i'm actually interviewing two authors uh coming up and they've both written books about using witchcraft to investigate the paranormal
0: oh really
1: yeah um i chrissy something and then uh jay allen cross they've both written uh similar books actually about using witchcraft to uh investigate the paranormal and they're both paranormal investigators and practicing witches so um i'm very excited to see what what i can find out about that
0: i do i do that um i've done that i want to talk to them
1: (laughs) oh yeah absolutely
0: (laughs) i want to talk to them sometime um because yeah i've done that um you know before going out on an investigation we'll do i'll do um you know cast certain spells and things like that just to see what happens um again we have a lot to talk about after the show of <laughs> so yeah you cool. know what's funny is that you
1: i mean i'm sure you are familiar speaking about ufology with um john greer oh yeah okay so you know he has this method about contacting ufos through meditation right and i can't speak to the validity of that i've never tried it i know that it's a very controversial idea but it's uh, interesting because I was in this woman's book about using witchcraft to investigate the paranormal. She recommends putting a, uh, an audio recorder next to you or recording on your phone audio while you're meditating and seeing if anything comes through the recorder just based on your meditations.
0: Hmm. That is interesting.
1: So different but similar.
0: It is. Well, you know, I was going to talk about that. I was, I was going to bring that up. I mean, you know, there is a lot of talk and I haven't done it yet personally, but there's been a lot of talk in the community lately about summoning UFOs. I mean, do you have any opinions on that? Have you dug into that much?
1: I have a little bit, um, mostly yeah. through, uh, like Jack Parsons and Crowley and, and things like that. It is something I'm very keen to do. Uh, uh you know, going back to, uh, talking to spirits and asking because there's spirits and, This is an interesting point. In the grimoires, you'll see the office of the spirit and it will give you very specific attributes and and, uh, abilities the spirit has. And a lot of people look at that and they kind of see it as like a vague metaphorical understanding. And I don't think it's that at all. I think it's extremely literal and I think it's very confined. Um, when it says, for example, uh, we'll take Boone, who's a very, very popular spirit. And he's popular because he brings money and wealth. The thing that he does not do is foretell the future. So a lot of people think, oh, well, I can get Boone to tell me lottery numbers. No, you can't, because he can't tell the future. He can only bring you money that is available to you now. Those numbers have not been drawn yet. So he has no way of accessing those numbers. And so, that's something to very, always keep in mind when you're looking at these kind of uh, entities is their actual abilities and not what you think the ability is. Um, but there's spirits that's, that say that they can um, tell you of everything terrestrial and uh, celestial and these things. And so, you know, Bigfoot is, you know, whether or not it's a spirit or not, it does exist in the terrestrial sphere. Um, UFOs exist sometimes in the terrestrial and sometimes in the celestial. So maybe these spirits can tell us what these UFOs and what these aliens really are and give us methods of contacting them.
0: Right, and what they're doing. Yeah, I, I really want to try the UFO summoning. Yeah, um, you too. I, I want to learn about it more first, and I just haven't had the room on the plate yet. But I'm, I'm very curious uh, because I've got some really close friends that do it a lot. And, uh, well, and, and contact I, with I,
1: them. I would love to uh, cross
0: paths. Yeah they're actually yeah they're probably closer to you physically than they are to me Um, okay cool i definitely i I will definitely let you know but yeah um and then i've got another friend who just she's just kind of into this stuff but she's not really um she's not a researcher or anything she just somebody told her about it and she decided to go do it and it fucking terrified her and she will never do it ever again Mm -hmm. um you know so i mean and I, I believe her. I believe that something happened. Um, so I mean, gosh, if it's that easy, well, how easy is it? And and why are we not talking about that more? Maybe I need to talk about it more. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, wow. I definitely think I need to start getting in, getting into that field as well.
0: Maybe that's what we'll plan when we get to, when we finally meet each other. We get together, we'll summon some UFOs together. Okay. And uh, we'll do, we'll do like our homework. You you study a little bit. I'll study a little bit. We'll bring both of our knowledge to the table. I think that'd be very fruitful. And and we'll summon something. Yeah. And. Uh, Make contact with the UFOs. I think that would be great. I think that's a good idea. Um,
1: but you you know, going back cool. to what we've been talking about, as far as people like, um, you know, there's obviously an argument about woo versus, I guess we'll call it like materialist or, or materialist mindsets when it comes to the paranormal. And I don't think there needs to be this um, distinction in the sense that we don't need to be hating each other because. You know, we're talking to each other right now because the glory of science, the glory of engineering, the glory of of materialist mindsets, making these machines that we can talk to each other with. We investigate through materialist means. Uh, The thing that I would say to that is that always, you know, keep science in mind and do your research in science, but uh, understand that science has a ceiling and that once you get to that ceiling, don't be afraid to to break through. And, and see what else is out there that current science is kind of poo pooing right now. Because at one time, you know, at one point in time, uh, science didn't believe that gorillas existed or panda bears or things like that. And so, you know, while I hesitate to say that the paranormal is just science that hasn't been discovered yet, there is definitely an aspect to that.
0: I mean, look at medical science. Just even 100 years ago, we thought we could cure everything with cocaine. You know?
1: I know, and cigarettes were good for you.
0: You know, clearly we were wrong, you know, um, that that happens. You're right. I mean, it's it's just because we're at this point right now doesn't mean that that whatever we have is truth. I tell people to follow physics. Physics will blow your fucking mind. It's mm-hmm. crazy how much that changes. And what is physics? Physics is is the study of, of fucking life. I mean, it's how everything works. Everything.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: And fucking every couple of weeks some huge major breakthrough comes around maybe not every couple of weeks but definitely every couple of months a huge breakthrough happens and we're like oh shit everything we knew about physics is wrong <laughs> like and it, and it just continues over and over again it really shows you how faulty conventional science can be um but you should still definitely use it i mean i don't know you, you just gotta be able to find the balance
1: <laughs> it's funny because in the uh the ceremonial system you, you will see things that are called rituals and ceremonies, but for the most part, you will see things called operations. And you will hear in the grimoires, the, uh, the magician is referred to as the operator. And it is because to do a traditional ceremonial ma- uh, magic system, you have to use a very scientific method. You have to um, basically use the scientific method to figure out what works and what doesn't and you have to do it matter matter, very matter-of-factly and very uh practically and uh yeah it's not nearly as spiritual and religious as I think people realize it is
0: yeah And, and I agree with that and I think it's just people just not knowing that not not having the proper information and the proper resources to to understand um that there is something to it you know um and that's unfortunate. That's, you know, it's really unfortunate. But, but you know, from your own per, your own personal experience, it's not like it's easy. It's not like there's a good reference guide of like, hey, look at these quick facts, real quick about right. this. Right.
1: There's stuff. no Grimoire 101 books
0: anymore. Uh, right. <laughs> and there should be.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, there should be and there shouldn't be because it's very powerful information. And, and the thing that I say is that anyone has the physical capacity to do this work. Yeah. But I don't think everyone has the the resolve to do it
0: just like uh well let's let's uh well, let's quote jurassic park just just because you can doesn't mean you should exactly, whatever the hell
1: exactly. It was. and you got to do a lot of thinking and soul searching to figure out if this is something you really want because once you and this is true of the paranormal just as much as it is magic once you get into this stuff it really it becomes your life and you know I you gotta to have to navigate that and a lot of the things that you don't realize you're going to lose from doing this you are and uh, you got to be comfortable with that
0: you know one thing i want people to take into account um look at people before us before this generation the the older researchers a lot of them go fucking nuts they do um they kind of lose themselves in this stuff because you're right it it consumes your life and and you have to walk a very fine line because it's it's sad i mean i'll go on shows i just did it I don't remember what show i was on i just started i went on a tangent about something and then i just kind of stopped and just started laughing and i'm like jesus christ i sound fucking nuts um <laughs> you know? and you question you question yourself a lot you do yeah, you you're know. like am i crazy is this actually real can can i get some validation and you know over and over again and you know I'm, I'm 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 an emotional person and uh i'll cry because of the validation that i'll get i mean it'll just absolutely rock me and um it's not that i don't believe in those things day to day it's just that when it's so personal, it's just happening to you. Um, seeing it from a different perspective is, is quite frankly, it's amazing. Um, you know, it just goes to show that you are onto something. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I'm not is-
1: expecting the over, you know, the overwhelming amount of people who listen to the show and and message me or email me or anything, a comment and say like, you know, what you're doing is really important. I never thought about it this way, but now that you're talking about it, it makes so much sense. You know, it feels really good uh, because yeah. I really thought That when I started this, I was going to be alone and that I was going to be um, it was going to be an uphill battle the whole way. But now I'm finding that it's a lot. There's a lot more of this going on. Maybe people aren't talking about it as much as I am, but it's definitely still going on. And I I really I don't want this to be like a a me thing. I want I want to open this up to everybody and I, I want it to be bigger. I don't want it to be. You know, extremely niche. It's going to be because it's a niche subject, um, but it doesn't mean it has to be a closed practice. If you know what I mean,
0: right? And, and you know, people don't shouldn't fear it. They shouldn't be afraid to to try it and, and and get into it and dig into it. It's just like with anything that that you take on major in your life. It's got changes with it. It's got things you got to learn to adapt to. <laughs> right.
1: You don't have to be a magician to do magic. That's the no. important thing.
0: Absolutely not. You know, you do it every time you blow out your birthday candles. Right. Uh, every time you wish upon a star. It's the same thing um you know it's just you call it something different package it differently and make it a little more uh i, I guess little bite-sized pieces instead of just all out i'm doing magics you know or mm-hmm. um you know so i i definitely agree that people should get into it well i don't want to keep you forever i want to keep you forever but i don't want to keep you forever
1: you i like. i'm happy to come back on whenever you will have me
0: that would be great um where can people find you where can they stalk you and, and listen to your show and
1: things you can find me at strange dominions podcast.com you can also find us at the facebook which is still strange dominions we have instagram youtube The i think the only thing we don't have is, tw- uh, is twitter
0: okay well you should get on that tw- uh, twitter train i'm, I'm
1: terrified you. of it but
0: maybe <laughs> <laughs> and just just like with anything that you learn there's changes but you learn to adapt so absolutely <laughs> well thank you so much for coming on and uh i'm excited i think people are gonna love this show um definitely go check out strange dominions i was on there on an episode i mean if if anything you're here because you like me so go listen definitely. to that
1: and you had a, and that was a great episode i got a lot of compliments for that so you know anyone who wants to get into the real weird stuff of the paranormal magic come check out strange dominions
0: Perfect. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. And uh, for everybody else, we'll see you guys back here next Wednesday.